Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining Manny and I. And uh, the shirt thing happened by accident. I did have the glasses handy, though, so I thought I'd throw those on just so we could really try and uh, mess with you guys. I, I, I know there was a post about uh, trying to book a more diverse audience uh, recently. And Manny, I think with this instance, I have truly failed to book something diverse. I mean, not only do we look alike, we've got the same shirt, we've got the same glasses going, we've both got some color on the side of the arms. What, 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 what am I going to do? I'm going to have to mix it up over the next few weeks for sure. <laughs> Although, Matt, Manny, I mean, uh, your, your, your history is pretty interesting. So in Canada since June 2009, so about 12 years in Canada. So, so not born and raised with that, that advantage, the home field advantage. And um, English is, as I, I think we were discussing, is like your third language. Not so much something you grew up with in the home, but more taught in school and, and then learned socially after. And, uh, and your main role, uh, which I want to give you a huge shout out for, you've been a part-time ICU nurse working basically full-time or more hours because even though you got licensed as a broker in April of 2020 and were planning on making that move, Along comes this little pandemic experience that we're all enjoying. Not really. And uh, how do you quit as an ICU nurse in the middle of a pandemic? I mean, that's obviously very, very challenging. So kudos to you for sticking that out and picking up those shifts from people who must just be hitting the ceiling on the stress level. And, uh, and, well, you know, there's a little bit I want to talk about the part-time, full-time thing, but but like I say, the the nursing thing, man. As I say, I just I can't even wrap my head around that. Like people find brokering stressful enough. You must just you must just have a little bit of a laugh inside about the stress we think of. Well, you know that that's really funny because when I started, when I thought about going into brokering, and I was talking to a friend who's a mortgage broker, and they talked about all this stress, and I said. Like really, guys? What 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 are you talking about? There, there's no life are not in the balance. Nobody's going through a um, CPR. Like it's like what what kind of stress are you talking about? That that looks to me quite easy. You're shuffling papers. That was my uh, mindset. I can tell you that now um, a day here in the office is more stressful than a day at work. Imagine that. So brokering is stressful. So a day of brokering you find more stressful than a day in the ICU. But but, but would that partly also be, and this is going to play into something we were going to touch on, would that also be related to the fact that you, how, how many years have you been in nursing now? So that's the point, right? Because I'm in nursing, I've been, uh, I started as a, as a care aide, as a student, uh, it was 1997. So I'm coming up 25 years in hospitals out of it. 20, 20 years exactly, actually, 20 years as a nurse, right? And so been there, done that, two countries, four health authorities. I don't even remember how many different working areas. Nursing is something I can do in my sleep with my eyes closed, with my hand tied behind my back. So yeah. there's, there's comfort in, in the knowledge and skill, right? Brokering is now coming up to almost 50. I need to start reinventing myself and being in the no, in the novice uh, shoes again, which is this this is is scary, and it's people's biggest purchase. And all the people that are calling me are my friends, 
and my friends' friends. So I can't screw up their mortgage. No, right? And 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 actually, so I just used the the example recently, not uh, not of a nurse or of a doctor, but of a dentist. Uh, so so similar type concept, but. I said, you know, it's not like a surgeon does their first appendectomy on a living patient. A dentist doesn't do its their their first root canal on a living patient. Like they operate on cadavers, right? <laughs> like, you know, you, you you start out with something that the consequences are pretty low. Like the worst that could happen is already happened. <laughs> and in the hand holding, we we jump in and like you say, like suddenly you're dealing with. And I'm, and I'm not at all suggesting that a cold call or a lead that you've purchased or something like that isn't as important. Of course it is. But if you have problems, if you miscommunicate, if things don't go smoothly uh, with a stranger's mortgage application, the social impacts are very low and the weight you're carrying is not quite as high. Whereas if you blow up a coworker's mortgage, they're telling everybody in the whole damn hospital. Yep. So, yeah. yeah, the stakes are so much higher with family and friends. And I always say to newer brokers, do everything you can to have your family and friends be referral sources. Have them refer their coworkers to you, you know, their, their third-party acquaintances to you. But you don't want, like, people go, oh, I can't believe my own brother-in-law, you know, went to the bank. Thank goodness. Yes. That was a gift. Because <laughs> yes. every file that I've done for a friend and 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 then that that unfeathered access that friends it's okay. It's Twelve o'clock at night he calls me because he's a friend. And I have to answer him at twelve o'clock at night because he's a friend. Yeah. Right? He knows and, you're on shift. He knows you're up anyway. So yeah. you know about the time you're taking your coffee break. Hey Manny, I got some <laughs> WhatsApp messages at three o'clock in the morning. Like, really? Because you're all working myself into that. Shift workers, right? So again, it's the shift. Oh, I'm a shift worker. Manny's a shift worker. No problem. I'll message him anytime. So there's the very valuable lesson of knowing when to to turn the notifications off, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But Manny, I, I, we touched on something just very quickly in our, our, our couple of minutes before we went live here, and it was the part-time, full-time thing. Yeah, and I've changed my perspective on this, but you made a comment about the book, and go ahead. So, so when I was handed the book and I started thinking about mortgage, I, I started thinking about doing a career change. I wasn't sure what it was. I was actually about to start taking uh, um, uh, lessons to become a crane operator, believe it or not. It's very good profession. If somebody, I, I looked at becoming a crane operator as well, Manny. I, I, I truly did. Two thousand seven. I looked at helicopter crane operator. Yeah, yeah, very well. Anyway, so that uh, and then I was somebody tried to recruit me to WFG, and I'm sitting in with um, my friend who's a mortgage broker, and he says, "Well, why would you go and sell life insurance when you can be become a mortgage broker?" And he hands me your book. So I've started reading this, and I'm getting to the point where. Commit, leave everything, just dive in. It's gonna be okay. And I'm like, is this guy for real? Like, I have a mortgage, three kids, a job. I'm already making a hundred thousand dollars a year. If I want to work my myself to oblivions, I can I can make hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Like, who leaves that job and goes to do something that is so new, scary? Maybe yeah. we'll 
the leader, maybe not. And, right? and for the and for the record, Manny, we were a one household or a one income household, and uh, I have I had two kids, uh, you know, the wife and two kids at the time, and um, four hundred and fifty thousand dollar mortgage. I had a job, job making seventy two five with a company car, benefits, all the bells and whistles, expense account, everything else, and I could have rolled. I could still be working at that job right now. And, and you're right, my risk tolerance, um, my pain point, I guess, going into work every day, it, it was a lot higher. And yeah. so, so I just pulled the chute and jumped, you know, or well, I didn't really even have a chute. I just jumped and then figured out how to build a parachute on the way down before I hit the ground. And uh, the other side of that, that, I don't recommend that, but I wrote that book uh, in 2013. So in 2013, the mortgage world was a lot different than it is here in 2021. I mean, January 1st, 2018, the stress test that came into play then, that cut everybody back by 35%. That took all of your margin of error to circle back to, you know, you're working on a file and suddenly things go sideways at this lender and it's not going to work because you didn't account for X, Y, or Z. You had so many other options, so many other options, and there was slack because 95% of Canadians or more never borrowed the maximum they qualified for. They all borrowed about two-thirds, maybe 65 to 75% of what they qualified for typically because Canadians are inherently conservative. So I had this slack to make things work. And when I'm not working another job, I had all day long to figure out that file. So that also made it a lot easier. So in my mind, it's like, yeah, this is the way. Like, this is a complex business. Not that complex. Jump in, go. But that's 2013. Fast forward to today. Man, you're making 100 grand a year and you want to become a broker? Do not quit that job. Just don't. Like, brokering is extremely complex at this point. To the point that I do not believe any app We'll replace a mortgage broker in the next five years. I'd be amazed if it happened in the next 10 years, maybe 15 years. I realize, you know, the the law of computing and the processing power doubling and speeds coming down. But I get all that. But I also realize that we have a government and a, a lender landscape, an investor landscape that, I mean, just look at child tax credit. Just look at student loan payments. The, yeah. the, the incredible diversity with which those things are treated from one lender to another to another. And then you layer in five or six of those things all being treated differently across all the different lenders. And it's like a Rubik's cube every day. So I'm sorry. I apologize that, you know, I put that message out there and I'm in the process of rewriting that very chapter. And I really need to get that the revised version of that book out there because pandemic life, Stress test life, everything else. Forget about it. Like, don't no, quit. You don't, don't, you don't need to apologize that much. You know, there's a lot of other things that really, you know, my life has changed in the last 12 years in so many ways. But there's a lot of growth that I've done myself with brokering aside as a result of your books. Seriously, and and you deserve those kudos. Like uh, things like. Uh, don't replace your client court, for, for instance. Like I was just about to go and buy a, a new car when I read your book. So that makes absolutely sense. Keep your clunker, right? 
Um, and this is a small thing, but then there's the bigger things about how to relate to stuff. I, I told you before we started the conversation that I lost my uh, my glasses in the lake when I was trying to pedal board. And obviously uh, you don't need to put a hippo on a pedal board that never works. So <laughs> I found myself in the bottom of the lake, glasses lost, and this is the start of a four day vacation. Now I can't read anything. Uh, I can barely see the distance and like, Myself, Manny, before reading Dustin Woodhouse books and listening to your blog, would go like, this is the crappiest vacation ever. The whole vacation is gone. Like, I would have been doom and gloom. And then I said, no, no. Pick up your dirt bike and start walking because the opportunity is there. You just need to walk over the hill. You remember that story? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yes, I know. That was hilarious. Oh, and, and part of the vacation, I, I was on a goal to get, uh, to be on vacation, but still get my LinkedIn profile to 500 connections. That was the goal. I'm going to sit, I'm going to connect methodologically because I wanted to get to that uh, LinkedIn 500 plus, right? Because yep. then it stops counting for people, so... Sounds like a kind of relaxing vacation plan too. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, no, that's okay. It's like I'm <laughs> sitting there on the poolside and I'm like connecting with this, connecting with that. It was it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. But then now I don't have my glasses. So, okay. No, Dustin would never have it. Called my friend. He was all on vacation with us. I said, you need to drive me to the drugstore. We drove to the drugstore. We bought some of those, you know, cheapies uh, glasses for reading. And within a couple of hours, I said, no, I'm not going to let this impact my vacation. I'm going to have fun. This is what I'm supposed to do right now. And I'm going to move on against adversity. Well, man, I, like that's that's really kind of you to say. I mean, uh, I like I do look at mindset uh, as a huge thing. And I used to be very reactive. Uh, very, very reactive. I mean, some of the guys that work for me, they, I remember they got this little McDonald's toy. And it was like a gorilla with its arms and you push the button in the back and the one arm went up in the air and they they uh, they took a sticky note and they wrote the f word three times with exclamation points on it stuck it in the hand and they put it on my desk and it was like you know just because they said that's that's you like you know f f f all the time i just react and explode all kinds of things never like towards them personally but just towards the situation and uh, like why can't i get a break and uh, and now, like, as soon as you start describing what's happened, it's like, okay, so, like, I don't know, there's probably a lot of people right now thinking, wow, like, on a four-day vacation, if I suddenly couldn't read my phone anymore, that would be a win. <laughs> like, great, I'm out. Like, I'm going to embrace this. Um, but then also there's the other, yeah, like, okay, so what can I do to fix this? Reading a book, playing poker with my friend, I need my glasses. You know, even for the pieces that, you know, I didn't see the, all the vacation and just did uh, LinkedIn, right? I wanted to play with the kids. I wanted to read my son a story. I wanted to read the third book of Dustin. Like, there were, I had plans to do, right? And yeah. now the classes were gone. So. Well, the best laid plans, right? I mean, uh, I, I, I hear you. I, 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 this is about uh, your conversation, but I, I could give you 10 more stories uh, of, of, yeah, you know, you, you make the plans, everything blows up, but th there's always a silver lining somewhere in there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things I, I wanted to touch on too, while we're talking about clients and you were talking about working with friends and family and this sort of thing is 
positioning clients' expectations. Uh, so this plays into a conversation I was having uh, late last week with somebody and, and then our pre-call, and we're talking about number of files funded. Mm-hmm. So my theory on it is that each and every broker should know how many files they funded per year and how many files they funded per career. Like what's your total career count? And the reason I would suggest you want to have that is humans love stats. I mean, just look at trading cards, right? Sports trading cards. On the back, you've got goals, assists, touchdowns, whatever the sport is, the stats are there. Height, weight, this, that, the other thing, you know, which teams they played on from what year to what year, all that stuff is there. And the thing is, there's no collector cards. I can't believe this isn't a thing for mortgage brokers. And and it's probably not going to be anytime soon. So no one is going to share your stats with your clients except you. And I still remember my very first client, he phoned me up and he said, you licensed yet? And I said, yes, I am as of yesterday. So you, sir, are my number one client and you always will be, right? And, And away we went. And I would say to my ninth client, you are my ninth client. I know that might sound a little scary, but don't worry. And then I'd put a personal story in, right? Like I bought my first home in 1995. I bought my first commercial investment property in 1993, I think it was. I've been incorporated since 1992. You know, like I've been reading investment books, real estate books. And here's the thing. You could probably find a more experienced broker, but they're probably going to have 29 clients on the go right now. I have two. And then I'm going to have you. So I'm going to have three. I'm going to have all day to just focus on your file today. All day. You get 10 hours of my brain today. And it's all positioning, right? And then as that count goes up, you know, and and then clients come back to you and you tell them and they'll remember, right? You're my 111th client. Whoa, last time I was your ninth. You've been busy. That's right. And then you're you're my 1,000th client. Holy, do I win a prize? I hadn't thought about that, but sure, you know what? How how does dinner at the keg sound? You know, and I sent a gift card, mailed it out to them that day. It's those little things, but those stats, they help position you as the expert and hopefully build up your own confidence, which is a big thing for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about the uh, the voicemail for confidence. I phoned Manny this morning because as most of you know, I make a phone call, we have a 10, 15 minute pre-call chat, then we jump on and go live. So I phoned Manny, I got his voicemail. Manny, tell us about your voicemail. Well, that voicemail, I I forgot that it's there because most of my clients don't call that phone because that's the phone that I've uh, made on my business card, but we don't give business cards now. There's nobody to give business cards to. So most of my clients are calling my my regular phone, which is another thing you can touch about why two phones, but um, I forgot that voicemail is there. So when I started setting up the business a year ago, I was kind of unconfident or less confident with, you know, my English and my pronunciation and uh, the flow of conversation. And every time I tried to record that script, it just didn't work. It didn't work. So I plotted it into a software that uh, does a text-to-speech kind of software. And I recorded that. And that's what I put there. I should really change it now, but. Well, in, in, in Canada, I can tell you that we all associate an English accent with intelligence. So you, you, should, you should have had um, you know, uh, some, somebody with an English accent 
record your voicemail and then they'd be like, oh my, this, this guy's got, he's, he's got a, somebody working for him that's super smart recording mm-hmm. his voicemail. But, but it's interesting that you, you chose that rather than, like you say, like when, you, when you're lacking confidence in your own voice, like that is such a, a fundamental basic thing. And I can't thank you enough for, for being willing to sort of put that out there and own that because that is valuable for people who are listening to this, who are starting out. And I remember, I mean, I remember in 2014, uh, so I'm six years in the business. I'm doing 75 million a year. I think that might've been the year I hit a hundred million. So, you know, whatever, like I, I've given some presentations that year as well. So people kind of recognize me in the industry and you'd think that I'd be thinking I'm a pretty big deal, but I, I had what I now realize cause I got the label for it. It was like full blown imposter syndrome. Like I pulled up outside of a restaurant in downtown Vancouver and I could see the upstairs patio loaded with brokers and I knew most of them by now. And, you know, because it's the same people that show up at the events all the time. So I've gotten to know a lot of them. They're great people. They're all wonderful. Like, I'm looking forward to having a conversation with them, except I'm not. I, I actually just felt my chest tighten right now, just, just reliving that moment. I pulled over to the curb about 100 yards back from the, the valet. And I pretended to be on a phone call as two brokers came walking past who recognized me and I just waved at them. I wasn't even on a call. I was pretending I didn't want to go in there. And and like, why? Like I was going to get asked a question I didn't know the answer to. I don't know what, I, I don't know. But like, like social anxiety, like I did not want to go into this group of people I know because I felt like a little bit like a fraud. Like, I don't know how I'm having the success I'm having. It just like, you know, I I give that kind of weak answer. I don't know. You know, I just answer my phone, I guess. Like that's all I do and it just works. And I thought I was doing what everybody else did and I I, I didn't realize it. And so, you know, whether it's your case, setting up voicemail on day one or six years later being successful in the business, I think we all have that sort of inner hesitation that we're not good enough. And then we are good enough. Manny, your English is is perfect. Okay, it's not perfect, oh. but it's near perfect. All right. It's better, it's better than good enough. It's better than good enough. And I mean, the thing is, how many opportunities might you have missed with a voicemail where someone else who speaks the same first language or second language and picks up your accent? And it's like, oh, I know what other language this gentleman's going to speak. That's my native language. I want to work with this guy. You might have missed some opportunities because people didn't hear an accent, right? It cuts both ways. It goes both ways. You, you can't you can't win them all, and you're not going to lose them all. And I, I find that people generally are kind. And um, I, I heard it when I started working in in BC twelve years ago. I was super conscientious of, of accent uh, and my pronunciation. In my own profession, right, I didn't pronounce things the same way that people pronounce it here. And so, so I became very conscientious. But then somebody told me, you know, I speak only one language. You're more intelligent than me because you speak more than one. So I never friended that way. So, so people are kind. And, and, you know, luckily we're in Canada and people in Canada are kind and, and they're, they're open and they're. Yeah. yeah, man. yeah. I, I hope we are. Cause as a, as a, as a, whatever I am, I don't know, fourth generation Canadian or something like that. 
that's how I that's how I like to envision us. I, I like to think so too. Super tolerant, super patient, and yeah, like try and be kind. Now, do we flip each other off in traffic every now and then? Uh, yeah, these things happen. <laughs> you know, but but for the most part, yeah, man, we're 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 pretty darn tolerant bunch. And uh, man, I, I wanted to break this conversation into two parts. So, talk a little bit about getting into brokering, building confidence. So you're going to update your voicemail. It's going to be your own voice. That's going to, as, as we finish this. Yeah. First thing yeah. On, the, on, on the agenda for this morning. So, so I hope this, this first piece of our conversation has, has been useful for especially new brokers up and coming who are working a full-time job, have a great pay. Should you quit? Shouldn't you quit? I mean, that's a decision everybody makes for themselves, but I'm a lot less you know, hardcore on that topic than I was because things have changed significantly. And I recognize that I better update that chapter.